0: And what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 193 of the Designated Players Podcast. We're back with MLS History Retold, where we are wrapping up the MLS 1.0 era. First, we'll go back and look at another first given away by the New York Red Bulls or New York, New Jersey Metro. This time it's a first ever hat trick to our good friend, Benny Olsen from rivals DC United. This is followed by a harrowing story of beloved Ozzy Alonzo going from Cuban defect to MLS star. I'm Andrew, joined by my good buddy Connor, and this is MLS History Retold. Alright,
1: what's up buddy? That was something. I wish I didn't have to see whatever that was. Well, you just did. So, how you doing? You know, I woke up this morning, and I really did not want to prep for this episode.
0: Matt, I thought you were going somewhere
1: completely different with that. (laughs) Once I started getting into it and researching it a little bit, it was a great story.
0: It is. I like this one. Uh, I know a little bit. I have a a special relationship with this one, so I'll, I'll chime in when you're done with it. However, um, I'm excited to listen to it. Mine, not so much uh, excited to, li- to, to tell my story.
1: I'm excited to listen to yours because it brings you pain. It doesn't bring me a ton of pain. Certainly does bring you enjoyment. Yeah, it doesn't bring me happiness,
0: that's for sure. <laughs> listen, it's episode 193. You know where we're going with this. Talk to me about what's around your
1: neck. For once, I actually have a scarf on theme. I'm busting out the Sounder scarf. I do think I have another Sounder scarf somewhere, but it is a lot uglier than this one, and I also paid like forty dollars for this one, so I'm bringing it out whenever I can. I like it. I picked
0: one of the. I don't know if I've. I don't know if I've rip- taken this one out in a while, and I think this is the one you have.
1: I can't remember. That might be the one I have. Yeah, have I like
0: some... this one. It's simple, but it's it's got enough going on where it's it's. I'll go first because mine is sad, and then we'll we'll lift everybody else's uh, spirits up with your story. Sure, sound good. Take it away. All right. So let's let's put it this way. Nobody hates the New York Red Bulls more than Benny Ball Bennels. That's an actual quote from DC United's verified Facebook page on a post that they put up in June of 2020 during COVID. When they went, and this was on the same quote that they posted when they went back to relive his first and only hat trick, which was scored against, you guessed it, the New York Red Bulls. Adding to the running theme of this storytelling series or or book of multiple teams and or players recording their first ever something against them. And I think I'm going to create like a table of contents just for the first that were scored against the New York Red Bulls, because this is ridiculous. June 10th, 2007, New York Red Bulls are traveling to RFK Stadium to take on their rivals, D.C. United. At this time, Red Bull are on a good run to start the year, picking up 20 of a possible 30 points. D.C., on the other hand, started off a bit worse, waiting four games to get their first point in the league and five to get their first ever win. However, they did enter this day on a five-match unbeaten. Tensions, of course, were high as the oldest rivalry in MLS kicked off for another installment in front of just over 18,000 fans. It would not take long for things to get started, with defender Bobby Boswell seeing yellow for a strong foul in the 12th minute of the game. Three minutes later, the fun would really get going. After a string of passes in the midfield third, the ball finds its way to Josh Gross at the left-back spot. He cuts it inside on his right boot and swings a long, curling ball towards the box. It skips past the Red Bull defender and finds the head of a diving Ben Olsen, who's sneaking behind the back stick. His powerful effort sneaks past the Red Bull goalkeeper, Ronald water a name I learned, and into the bottom corner. The fans erupted in celebration as DC's hot start continues. In non-Ben Olsen goal news for the rest of the game, three minutes later, Dmitry Kovalenko would get Red Bull on the board and level after an assist from Marcus Schott. The half would end 1-1, and four minutes after the restart, Luciano Emilio would tuck one away to give DC a 2-1 lead. The score would remain this way until the 72nd minute, when Ben Olsen would get back in on the fun. The ball would get played into the feet, Of a streaking Brian Carroll From fat bastard Jaime Moreno Who would open up his hits To find Ben Olsen on the right hand side Ben gets into the box Fakes his shot to send the defender to the shops Cuts it back on his left foot and shoots The ball is partially slowed down By the hand of Water Royce But still finds itself Into the back of the net A last ditch clearance effort From the Red Bull defender is no use And it crosses the line to give a 3-1 lead to D.C. The crowd, once again, is sent into a frenzy and gave the announcer from D.C., whose name I need to find again. You would know this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm hoping, Connor, you've listened to this. His memorable line for any time a ball goes over the line, it's in the net. It's in the net. It's in the net. It's in the net. And that announcer went off for it. D.C. had the 3-1 lead, and they were running home with with the points but then just six minutes to go before the 90 was up Olsen would cap off his hat trick with an absolute belter one that you simply tip your hat and say a boy, Benny the ball once again is on the left hand side of the field an area that DC seemed to attack readily the whole game Christian Gomez and Jaime Moreno are playing keep ball until Jaime Moreno just flicks the ball up into the air out towards the middle of the field where Ben Olsen kind of is Ben Olsen's first touch takes the ball out of the air and into a perfect position for a half volley from an area that must be at least 30 yards out at the closest point. A man in the form he was in would be silly not to give this a go, because what would they say if he missed? He still had two goals on his name on the day, and was having a heck of a game to that point anyway. He sprints towards the ball, swings his right boot through it, dipping the ball up it over Water ice and just under the crossbar. The crowd goes mental as Benny stands in shock with his hands to his ear to say, who says I didn't have that in my locker? Keep coming. Funny enough, Juan Pablo Angel would actually get an immediate response to this one minute later to quiet the crowd down, Uh, but it was too little, too late. DC would win 4-2 to on a brilliant showing from Benny Olsen and his only, emphasis on only, career hat trick. Some fun facts, Ben Olsen only recorded three Multi-goal games in his career as a right midfielder. Two of those were against Red Bull. Ben Olsen only scored 31 goals in his MLS career. Eleven of those came against Red Bull. There's nothing that this man loved more than a game against the New York Red Bulls or the Metro, depending on when it was, what time period it was. This will be the last time we talk about Ben Olsen' hat trick ever in the MLS history retold series. But I have a strange feeling that Red Bull giving somebody their first anything is probably coming back.
1: Oh, come on. You think if Red Bull is not Red Bulling many more times in this series, you're out of your mind.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Well, they've given me my first heart attack, so we'll talk about that later on in MLS 3.0. I'm
1: sure they've given you more than just one heart attack. Let's be honest here. I don't have a nice transition for this one. (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. I was trying on the spot. I can't think of any any good transition. I was
0: waiting for it.
1: I'm sorry. I don't have one for this one. But uh, I will be talking about Ozzy Alonzo's move to MLS and the Seattle Sounders. I so this isn't a huge part in the story, but I thought it was a cool note. And I'm going to I'm going to title my section on this one. How a stranger's kind gesture allowed Ozzy Alonso to become one of the best midfielders in MLS history. Quite a wordy title, but you'll find out what that has to do with the story. Lots of sources in this one for me. Uh, I was able to get some info from Wikipedia. There's uh, an article called 16 Years After Defecting, Ozzy Alonso is Happy by J. Sam Jones. An article called Freedom in the World 2007 Cuba by Freedom House. And player who defected from Cuba realized dream longs to see family again by Andrew Miller. Ozzy Alonzo, one of the best defensive midfielders, nay, one of the best midfielders in MLS history, had quite the story of how his MLS journey came to be. He didn't join the academy at 14 and work his way through the ranks. He didn't get drafted out of college. He wasn't signed from a professional team abroad. No, he defected over from Cuba during an international competition with his national team and was able to get a trial with Chivas USA. Today, we're talking about his story. While I don't want to dive into the politics of why this was happening, there is some context that we will need. The year is 2007. Cuba is beginning to rebuild its economy from the tumble it took after the fall of the Soviet Union. However, the economy is still not in a great place at this point and in that elections are controlled, corruption is common, and freedom of the press is heavily reduced, there were definitely incentives for Cuban citizens to defect from the country. When it comes to soccer players defecting, it is much more common than you you may think, to the point where there's an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to tracking all of the Cuban players who defected to the US. There were even five more players who defected just this year after the 2023 Gold Cup was hosted in the US and Canada. Before we dive in, uh, dive more into Ozzy, let's briefly, briefly talk about the man that inspired his defection, Mikel Galindo. Galindo was a member of the Cuban national team, and in 2005, he, along with his teammates, made the trip to the U.S. to participate in the 2005 Gold Cup. The squad, the squad qualified after finishing runners-up in the Caribbean Cup. While Cuba finished last in their group and did not qualify for the knockout rounds, Galindo took advantage of the Wet feet, dry feet policy, and stayed in the U.S. to try to earn citizenship. The wet feet, dry feet policy is a name for the interpretation of the Cuban Adjustment Act of 1966. Essentially, the act allows the act allowed the Cuban citizens who made it to the U.S. to earn citizenship after a year. However, if a defector was caught in the waters between the U.S. and Cuba, they would be sent back to Cuba or even to a completely different country. So since Galindo had already had dry feet, having been in the country for the Gold Cup, he stayed behind in order to gain citizenship. In 2007, the Gold Cup was again hosted in the US. I'm sure you're sensing a trend now. Cuba qualified as the third place team in the Caribbean Cup, and this time Ozzy was a part of the team traveling to compete in the Gold Cup. Alongside him him was Lester Moore, a forward who was part of the 2005 Cuban Gold Cup team with Galindo. During the Gold Cup, Ozzy and Moore, inspired by Galindo, followed in his footsteps and stayed behind in the U.S. According to Miller's article, coincidentally, neither knew that they were going to defect, and both just happened to defect during this 2007 Gold Cup. Uh, Moore, however, had had left after the team's exhibition match in New Jersey, where he caught a bus down to Miami but let's get into the details of Ozzy's defection a bit more. According to Jones' article, Ozzie had to find a moment to slip away from the team, and the moment presented itself between games two and three in the Gold Cup group stage while the team was out shopping at a Walmart. Ozzy was able to slowly drift away from the team and eventually out of the Walmart, but paused once he made it to the street. A 21-year-old Ozzy asked himself, what do I do now? As he stood there with no phone and nobody in Houston that he knew. So Ozzy walked for a while until he came to a guy sitting in the street and asked if he could make a, a call with his phone. The stranger graciously let him call and Ozzy decided to call his ex-girlfriend back in Cuba who was able to give him some advice on what to do. Afterwards, the stranger gave Ozzy a ride to the nearest Greyhound bus station and helped Ozzy buy a ticket to Miami where he would now officially leave his family and Cuba behind seemingly forever. When he came to soccer, the previously mentioned Galindo was able to help him out big time. Glindo, who previously played for the Seattle Sounders and now is with Chivas USA, helped to get Ozzy and Moore a trial with Chivas USA. Alonso was able to win a 12900 thousand nine hundred dollar development contract. However, he turned this down to sign with Charleston Battery in order to guarantee playing time. While his sole reason, uh, while his in his sole season with Charleston, he would soar winning team MVP, newcomer of the year, USL rookie of the year, and the team's player of the year as voted on by the players. All of this helped to secure him a move to Seattle Sounders in their inaugural season in MLS in 2009. 250 plus games later, and Ozzy has etched his name into the hearts of Sounders fans forever, and certainly etched his name into the Sounders history books. Despite his initial concerns that he would never get to see his family again, during his time with Seattle, Ozzy's family and ex-girlfriend, now wife, were a- were all able to be with him in the U.S. and see him play. Ozzy is currently a one-time MLS Cup champion, four-time U.S. Open Cup champion, one-time Supporter Shield winner, four-time All-Star, and one-time MLS Best 11, but his story is not quite done yet. Ozzy is currently with Atlanta battling back from a major injury at age 37. Absolutely incredible. His impact and legacy on the league is self-explanatory, and I think we're all really grateful that he did decide to make the life-changing decision to come to MLS.
0: One of the greatest stories in that sort of, trying to think of the right way to put this, right, is the opportunity, right? The opportunity of of the country and and the league. That's what it's all about, and this story is, is exactly of that from a Cuban star who really didn't have a chance to a USL standout to make sure that he could play and be noticed, working his hardest to be that player and then earning his, earning his contract at Seattle, earning his legend status at Seattle and still continuing is wonderful. And I didn't realize the Wikipedia page you had mentioned about the list of Cuban footballers. Well, if you go to 2002... Do you have it up? Yep. Two thousand and two, that first name. Ray Martinez. Ray Martinez and I currently coach together at Alfred. So the first ever away bus ride we do, what's called first year entertainment. Newcomers to the team will go in and either tell a story, a joke, sing, you know, sing a song, just a little initiation thing, right? And Ray actually told us his story. Um and it was one of the. It's it's extremely moving, and it's it's very similar to my understanding for a lot of these people. You mentioned, you know, he had to find a way to sneak away, right? Ray and and his his teammate uh, Alberto Delgado. Uh, you, there's this little blurb here, right? That they told them they were going to uh, make a phone call and then ran out. Well, he, he they told Cuban national football team minders. That's, a, that's a, a nice way to put it, to say that Cuban policemen traveled with them and guarded every single door to prevent people from running away. He came down, we're getting ready to go on the bus, and said, oh, I got to go and make a call, or oh, I left something in my room, I'll be right back. At this point, everybody had already kind of gotten on the bus, and they, they booked it. And they ran for uh, a bridge or a road, like a, a common point. Well, Delgado basically told Ray... Oh, I left. I actually did leave something in my room. I have to go back and get it. And Ray said, "F that, I'm going." And he just ran and ran and ran and ran until he could find a, a taxi to get to the the uncle's place. And I believe they also ended up in Miami at some point. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those things where, literally, he he left behind his family. He couldn't tell anybody where he was going. Left behind all family, everything in there for for a chance at a better life. And again, Ray Ray ended up getting into uh, Colorado for a little bit after playing with the Rhinos, uh, or after that, he played with the Rhinos um, and then a bunch of indoor teams, um, including the Lancers, where his story has actually been reproduced by Michael Lewis, who we may have on for this series uh, later on in MLS history. Uh, but he's a big coverage uh guy for the Rochester Lancers and he wrote a book called the Rochester Lancers still alive and kicking and Ray they called him boom boom martinez Ray boom boom Martinez is still a big part of the Rochester he coaches the indoor team now um but he was he he hit such a good ball they called him boom boom right every time he hit it boom and that story reproduced is is something you know everybody should read and I'll, I'll send you it actually is in article form online and in the book but this isn't like a oh, I, I want to go play there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out there for a few days. These people, when they make this decision, there's no going back. Right? I think I think Ray, Ray goes back every once in a while now that tensions have kind of subsided. But I mean he went years, like decade without seeing family, friends, anything like that. He had to make his own life here. And uh it's similar for a lot of people to my understanding. So the fact that people will, will take this chance and then continue to work every single day to get to where they are now, it's a—it's extremely, extremely uh, in my opinion, very inspiring the way that they do that. And I'm, I'm very happy to have known Ray. Ray has taught me a lot about being a coach and how to approach different things uh, in terms of, of soccer and, and things like that. And uh, I'm very happy that he's here. And like I said, as, as happy as people are they, they all make a good impact in, in where they are. You know, everybody who's made that, you know, on this list and, and, and even further. So it's, it's such a great story. And I think it's a fitting way to end the MLS 1.0 era is on this note of the greatest people will, will take the biggest risks. Right. And that's what MLS 1.0 was, was a whole bunch of people taking a whole bunch of risks to say, Let's put everything we can to put this together and make this league work. And now here we are nearly 30 years later making it work. So I thought that was a, a really well-told well story, Connor. Well done.
1: That's yeah, a great way to put the <laughs> bow on MLS 1.0. Really great way to kind of just put an end to it. You know, it's it's a lot of risks and the risks have paid off. You know, we're sitting with a, a league that's just hit. Record attendance numbers, a league that has the best player in history in it, like it's crazy. You never probably could have imagined that at this point in MLS's history in two thousand seven,
0: right? And and then you talk about you know, this is this is a very similar point to where NASL was in in their time, but the difference is we have a plan for after this. We're we're I in, in my opinion, based off of <clears throat> when I was reading. A bunch of com- competition, uh, uh, not competition. Uh, reading comparative notes. NASL once they got these players in and had like two years of fans just showing up to the the Cosmos games, we're like, all right, wheels off, go for it, and they crumble. I don't think there's there's relaxation on the horizon, but I don't think there's training wheels off type of thing. You know what I mean? So I'm excited to see where we go from here. But I'm also excited to dive into MLS 2.0. We're going to start talking about DPS. We're going to start talking about more recent teams who have entered the league uh, and some more memorable uh, things. Uh, for example, the be- the Beckham game in 07 is going to be great. Um, Twelman's bicycle kick, everybody knows Twelman's bicycle kick. Some other ones here, other oh, some good ones there. Penny ball in 2009, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, a bunch of big games coming up. The PK, the the. Bill Hameed, PK encroachment. Oh, that's my favorite. I love that one. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. We are 50 stories into a 400-story <laughs> series, so uh, make sure you're subscribed for all the rest of these coming up. And then make sure you are following us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. We love uh, posting our clips from this, so we'll take this episode and we'll break it down and we'll, we'll make it a little bit more interactive for you. Uh, and then be ready because... Now that MLS 1.0 is over, we need a couple of interviews, but we've got a we've got this coming out in in book form, I think, pretty soon. We're at at the moment, it'll take probably 135 pages right now. And that's uh actually you still have to put in notes for a couple of yours as well. So maybe looking like 150 pages. That's kind of crazy. It's uh, outrageously long. Awesome. But it's it's quick, right? It's two, three pages of story. It's not like you're reading, you know, 12, 15 page chapters. But, anyways, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you're following us uh, on social media and where we get your podcast, and be ready for the next episode of MLS History Retold in MLS 2.0. See ya.